Good morning. You're listening to My Rapids Real Estate Show on AM 1320 WFHR, your weekly radio show focusing on real estate, the market, and everything related to housing in central Wisconsin. Welcome back. I'm Ben. And I'm Carrie Nikolai. You are an agent with Codal Banker Seward Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. Yes, and you are my licensed assistant working with Codal Banker Seward Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. Well, see, the Wisconsin Rapids part is important because we tend to get confused with other Codal Banker offices, or rather, they tend to get people confuse us. They, they hear Codal Banker, and you know, they automatically do okay. Well, you know, this house, it's it's here. It is that the address and it's one of our sister offices. So it, some people get a little confused of which office we are because we can say, well, we can meet at the Cobalt Banker office. And next thing we know, they're up in Stevens Point and the Stevens Point office is calling us going, we have some people here looking for you. So it's always very clear to make sure we know what office we're talking about. And we appreciate everybody thinking of us first. Yeah. Well, I hope or, you, or, you know, pretty close to the top. Yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed last week's uh, episode. It was very fun to to sit down and just kind of chat. So I hope you guys enjoyed it all. Here being their first episode on AM 1320 WFHR. You do that, that so well. That was pretty cool. Yeah. It, it sounds better in the headphones. Okay. So we're making adjustments along the way. So actually, I was doing a little bit of research. Of course. A little bit of history on WFHR. Okay. okay. First air date, November 1st, 1940. Oh, wow. So a long time ago. I mean, that was right in the heyday when electronics were first getting going as far as radio. There was a radio in every house. The world wars were kind of in flux. People were coming home, but, you know, there was still tragedy going on. And not really making it into the 1950s yet, that was soon to come. So TV hadn't really been populated. And AM 1320 wasn't actually starting on 1320 back in 1940. It was a little bit lower in the 1300s. Okay. So where do you think they got WFHR from? Because it means something. Well, I know just with you and, and the ham radio, it's, it has something to do with licensing. Y- yep, yep. It's a, it's a FCC call sign from the Federal Communications Commission. But you are super excited about this. It's also an acronym. <laughs> it's also an acronym. Okay. All right. So just give me the acronym because at You're this right. point, I have no idea. Okay. The, one of the original owners of the Daily Tribune back in the 40s, was William F. Huffman Sr. Oh, okay. W for William, F, and H for Huffman. Radio, WFHR. And it just so happens that W or K prefixes are dependent on which side of the Mississippi you're on. So we're over here on the, you know, in our area, and we're W's. Okay. And, you know, Cincinnati is like, you know, KRP and, you know, whatever. So different regions of the country has different radio prefixes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So just a little bit of history on WFHR. Any, any other interesting history bits you got there? Well, yeah. Um, we actually moved to 1320 on the dial back in 1959. Oh, wow. The original station was only um, 250 watts. And what are we today? 5,000 watts of Ooh. daytime power. Excellent. They modulated down to 500 watts at night. Okay. Just because the AM station travels the way it does. Okay. Cool. Excellent. So I thought that'd be interesting. It is very interesting. You love your, your history. Well, I do. And actually, this area is full of history, and I think we're going to be delving into little history tidbits along the way through our show. I not, believe we are. Not today, but you know, in, in the weeks to come. Yeah. And it's for our listeners. So this is a, a pre-recorded. So we record earlier in the week and then it, it airs on Sunday. So some of the things that we talk about, we're just trying to be very mindful of, you know, we're trying not to talk about current events because when this gets aired on Sunday, it's no longer current. It's been past events. So just kind of bear with us when we're talking about the beautiful 45 degree weather that we had on Monday, which is today. Well, still by the, you know, we're airing here on the 28th of February. It's going to be gorgeous Sunday as well. I hope so. I'm hoping that all oh, the yeah. snow will be gone by Sunday then. Well, yeah, but, well, you know, we might get more later. March, you know, in like a lion, out like a lamb, or vice versa, depending. Very true. Very true. So this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about preparing for springtime. 
and and we've we've talked about this a little bit already, like um, for what we're doing for the gardening and stuff like that. But I, you know, with everything that went down in Texas and the super frigid weather we had up here as well, you just never know when that power is going to go out, and having those backup plans is huge. Right. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and then an hour or two, um, definitely we'll we'll dive right into the market what's going on in the market, not just here in Rapids, but also across the state and regionally and nationally as well, because all of the home statistics from January came out. Ooh. Yeah. The other great thing that you like is the statistics. Well, it tells us where we were mm-hmm. and it gives a clue of where we're going to go. Then we can start seeing trends. And by the way, the trend from January was crazy. We've never seen January like this. No, we have not. And it is just amazing of what really did happen in January. So before we get, you know, down that rabbit hole, we'll just save that for the next hour and Yeah, we'll just we'll, send, we'll just send out a tease right now. Yeah, so. exactly. And it was just just amazing. Amazing Feb- January. I almost said February there. That's cuz the month is almost over. It is. It's, a, it's such a short month that it goes by so quickly that, you know, January has always been that super cold month. We just have to put up with it. You know, and then February is so short, it just kind of goes by like a blink of the of the eye. And next thing you know, Easter. we're into March. And March is when it starts to warm up and everybody's ready to go outside and play in the yard. And then it comes April where we get another three feet of snow just randomly. And we appreciate that. Welcome to Wisconsin. Exactly. So a lot of people coming into Wisconsin from other parts of the country might have a different uh, mindset of what to prepare for. I mean, we don't have hurricanes. No. We don't have earthquakes. And we don't have alligators. And huge snakes and insects the size of our heads. We, we just don't. No. And that's a good thing. That's why we live where the air hurts our face. Exactly. So what type of natural disasters do we have here? Well, we always have the ice storms. So earlier in the in the year, in January, we had that beautiful ice storm that came through and just carpeted the whole entire area with that nice... I think it was probably like an eighth of an inch of, of ice. Luckily, we didn't lose any power, but the, everything was just a pretty drive no matter where you went. It was just gorgeous out. And now we moved into the country with air quotes. Uh, n- not really, but we're backed up to a little bit of woods and some pine trees. And so when we get all the majestic thick snowfall on the ice, it looks really pretty. It is. Just looks really pretty. So we've got the, you know, any kind of snow. I mean, even that heavy, wet snow can take out the power here So or anywhere. I mean, it's Wisconsin. We've seen it happen. I believe last year we only had 24 hours without power. It wasn't too bad, especially compared to the year before where we had the straight line winds. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's usually more in the, the springtime phenomenon where we have tornadoes, straight line winds, those types of things. So we've got wintertime problems, right? ice and snow. We've got springtime problems with tornadoes. Heavy winds. Heavy winds. Lightning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So springtime flooding, right, when, when everything starts to melt that we add over the wintertime. So what do we have in the summer and fall? Not a lot, just kind of more of the same with the... Mosquitoes. Oh, yeah, bugs. Yeah. But they're not like as big as our head like we have down in Florida. That's true. We're so, in Texas. Yeah. Well, I think most of the bucks died this year. So it's just That's the true. coldest they've ever been. It is. So now let's start thinking of we kind of understand the stuff that could cause problems. What kind of problems would they cause? Like you said, power outages are a big one. Mm-hmm. And with being in the country, if we don't have power, that means we don't have water. So how do we, you know, do we store, do we get a couple gallons of water and just kind of have them available so that way we'd have some water on hand? Or do we put in a generator and do like a necessary feed line where we have the the pump, we have the well pump on there, we've got the heat and then some designated outlets so that way we can keep the food cold and still be able to use the stove Yet at the same time. Right. Depending on how your stove and heating system are fed. You know, are, is, are you on electric heat? That's one of the problems down in Texas is they didn't have the robust heating system that we do up here because they don't need it for more than a, a month out of the year. 
So they relied more on electric heat, uh, either radiant baseboards or like heat pumps where they would be mechanically, kind of like an air conditioner running backwards. Mm -hmm. So there there wasn't quite as much, especially in the, um, how do I want to say, like more apartment or segmented housing. No. Um, And then do you have hot water or not? So do you have an on-demand water heater or is it a tank? And then even if you have a tank, does it have a powered blower? So you need electricity for that? Or is it just naturally aspirated? Yeah. So there, there's a lot of different things that you got to look at and just kind of do the, you know, what do we need to do? Because you can get a whole house generator where you can just power up the, the whole entire house. But that kind of gets expensive where if you just do major systems and keep the house going for a little while at a time that way you still have the heat you still have the electricity that you need to to generate everything that you need but may not need to run the whole entire time you know we look back at when we had we lost the power for the two weeks at the other house it was a beautiful time of year Mm -hmm. Um, the weather was phenomenal and so that's one of the reasons why we have such uh, a keen eye on outdoor living space because we like to be outside, or right? We could be outside, and that really filled the gap of, you know, what do we do? We we don't have internet, you know. What it's more difficult to do work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the again the heater with the water and. But and we only jazz. needed to heat the house. We turned on the the generator every four hours just to make sure that everything stayed cold, and that way we didn't have to have that generator running the whole entire two weeks. So it was on and off throughout the uh, the day just to make sure that, you know, food didn't spoil. So now we can delve into generators for a little bit. There are kind of three different levels of generator. Okay. So there's a little suitcase generator, and it pretty much powers what you could power out of a wall outlet. Okay. Um, it usually is not connected into the house, so you'd have to run extension cords. So that has its own challenges where you can't power a lot and how do you get the power into the house to the items that you need to. So you can set up a small dedicated transfer switch which transfers utility power versus generator power on the appliance, like on your furnace specifically or on your well pump. And then you'd manually have to unplug one and plug it into the other. So it's a smaller option, um, usually less expensive. You can get one of those suitcase inverter generators for like 700 bucks. Okay. And then you wouldn't have to have a whole house transfer switch or sub panel. So they save that money too. And it'll kind of get you through. Um, the next level up is a portable standby generator. So that's what we had at, at our other house. Which worked out great. Yeah, it was just enough. That was a 3,500 watts and it was enough to run our, our necessities. You can get a little bit bigger one. I think the next one we're going to get has more features on it. So it'll have an electric start feature, and it'll be about 8,000 watts. So that it can run a lot more. Well, it'll be a little bit easier for us to start yet, too. Right. And then I'm more confident that you can just go out on your own if I'm not here and spin the dial, and it'll just start up with a little battery and zoom, 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 just like a, a car or a riding lawnmower. Excellent. So now that has two options of being plugged into the house. You can either run the extension cords like I mentioned first, or you can have an electrician come out and install a sub-panel where only your essential items are powered off of that sub-panel. And I think that's the way we had it at the last house. We had the sub-panel and had everything. We had designated outlets that were for the generator. Right. And so you would manually have to start up the generator and then manually throw that transfer switch to transfer from a utility power option to the generator power option. Okay. But it's, I mean, that type of generator, uh, you can get 1000 maybe $1,200 for a good quality, you know, like Generac built here in Wisconsin. Kohler is a Wisconsin company. They make good products. Okay. And then you'd have to do a transfer switch panel or that, that sub-panel, and that, you know, the panel itself is maybe 350 bucks then have an electrician install it. So that can increase your cost too. Okay. Some homeowners, I mean, you you could, but it's always best to hire an electrician for those things, especially if you're not comfortable. 
Now, the third option you alluded to is a whole house generator. And we've seen a couple of them at at a few of our, our listings that have had a full house generator because of, you know, the windstorm that came through in 2019 and took out power. And so, you know, homeowners went and did the whole house. They had it all. It's it's there. It's now part of the home. And so we had a couple listings with a whole house generator. Right. And that's a permanent appliance. So it's it's hard mounted on a concrete pad. It's plumbed into a fuel source like uh, liquid propane or your natural gas supply at your house. And so as long as the propane is there or the natural gas is running, you can power your house. And it will power everything in your house usually. There's different sizes. You can get a smaller one and it'll just power essentials still. Or, yeah, a, a 20 kilowatt will power everything in your house, 25 kW. Um, those have to be installed by uh, an electrician. Okay. Just because of the size of the transfer switch, the voltages, all that jazz, it's it's a huge undertaking. Plus, they have to pipe fit into whatever fuel supply is there. Now, the other two are usually fueled by um, gasoline. Some you can get diesel, but that's not quite as common. So then you start thinking of if the power is out in the region, like we had the windstorm blow right through, that took that that was a storm of a really big swath, and it it knocked out. You know, everything from west to east, you know, we were out, Stevens Point was out, Wasa was hurting, and just marched all the way across. Uh, I was in Appleton early that morning, and they just got this the same carnage that we did. Right. So where are you going to get the gasoline to fuel your generator? So you either have to have it on stock in hand, and then how much for how long? Well, at least until you can go and fill up your cans again. And hopefully you can drive to a place that has gasoline, you know, because all the gas stations, you'd think gas stations would have generators to help pump the gas. I think we learned a few things. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, if that does, if that were to happen, that would be the first gas station to be out of gas. Well, and I think 2019 kind of really taught us a lot about, you know, power outages and what companies need to have where they made those those steps now and you know that way they can still be up and functional because i know quick trip in 2019 you know right away got everything all up and running that's where everybody went for their coffee and their dunkers and you know they really took care of the community it was a spot that you could go to to get what you needed well that's a you know quick trip's an interesting animal because they're a convenience store essentially so they're a store they've got foodstuffs and that'll lead us into kind of a segue to our, our next part is now that you've got power taken care of, you know, however you want to sort that out. So that'll help get you water if you're not on a, a municipal water system. Now, just to mention water, if you are in a municipal water system, usually it's not too bad because the municipality will have um, water towers and it feeds the houses by gravity. Of course, the way they get the water up into the tower is through pumps and they're pretty savvy they, they understand that this is going to happen and so they've went ahead and, and installed emergency backup generators at the pump stations so if you're on public water and sewer it's here in wisconsin especially it's probably going to run um, wisconsin rapids is a little unique because we've got the river running through it and so we actually transfer our black water from one side of the river to the other. Okay. Under the river. Not through the, like the water, they're pipes. Okay. Yeah. They, they don't put it on barges either. So we have a pumping station and it pumps it um, from the west side up to the east side. And that was just redone uh, two years ago, three years ago, something like that. I think 17, 18. Okay. That was a big project. So wastewater and the wastewater treatment plant, fun fact... Wastewater treatment plant here in Wisconsin Rapids is partly powered by the methane that it creates by some of the waste products. Interesting. Yeah. So they're offsetting some of their costs as well, and that's keeping everyone on the public system costs down. Now, we're out in the country, so we've got a well and septic. And our septic is a passive system, and so you just flush the water into it, and it percolates and does its thing. I mean, 
septic problems in the wintertime could involve freezing, but there's not a lot you can do to prevent that except the normal septic maintenance. Um, water taken care of by the, the well pump. Um, it would be horrible to have your well pump go out during the middle of winter during a power outage. Yes. Because then you try to feed it with your generator and you get nothing, and now it's just, just bad. Uh, FEMA suggests that you stock one gallon per person per day that you think you're going to be in need of it. So a family of four for three or four days, that gets to be a lot of water. It does. So at, at least one gallon, that'll be good enough for hydration, drinking, and uh, sanitizing what you need. And, of course, you know, if you're a family, you can ration through cooking and stuff like that and making foodstuffs that are not heavily in water. Or with your canning supplies, you know, there might be some water with that too. So foodstuffs is a is a big thing. And, I mean, we don't want to – you've seen the TV shows, you know, a, a prepper this and they got the bomb shelters and whatever and end-of-the-world apocalypse – it, if it gets that bad, there's going to be a whole lot more problems. What we're talking about prepping for is preparedness of these types of simple natural disasters that we're going to encounter every year anyway. So let's talk about food. Okay. How can we, how, how can we stock up on food easily? It's kind of, you know, if you know you do your weekly shopping and you're going to get two boxes of pasta, grab two more. So you slowly kind of add that into your daily or your weekly grocery shopping. And what we did in the past is we've taken an old closet, a coat closet, and then we turned it into the pantry. Or we've gone into the basement and we've, you know, put a corner in, into the basement and it's got, you know, our, our backup supply. And we've, I've always done it. I think ever since my kids were little, we, we've always did, had a little backup system. So had a couple extra pounds of flour, sugar, you know, pasta is really great. And, you know, nowadays you can get the soup. So it's all freeze dried. You just add the water and, and heat. Um, we do a lot of grilling. So the nice thing is, you know, for if you got the electric stove, it's not going to work with the power outage, but you got the grill. So fire up the grill. So you now come up with meals that you can do on the grill and go outside and you fire it up and cook away. So can you cook pretty much everything on the grill that you would in an oven? Yes. It takes a little bit more finesse. I mean, it it's trial and, and error, but once you kind of catch on to it, then, then you're able to do it. And you just got to remember, you know, if you're going to be making the pizza, don't put that directly on the heat. You want to do more of the radiant heat. So either have one burner on and put the pizza where there's no flame underneath it, so that way it's going to slowly cook. It's going to take a little bit longer, but definitely able to cook a pizza on a grill. We should try that sometime. Might be interesting. Especially like, you know, homemade pizza, you can make it so that it fits on the grill too, not just like this 12-inch, 18-inch, 20-inch round pizza. I mean, you could put it in a, in a pan on a sheet pan or something like that. Yeah, you can take your regular cookie sheet pan and just uh, put it on, on the grill. And then make whatever flavors you want. Right. So as long as you got the flavors on, on hand, you know, easy to do. So the trick is keeping food that your family eats anyway. And that way you, you know that when it's a difficult situation and you have to really delve into your stock for a full week. I mean, we, we had easily a week that we had to consider eating without power. Mm -hmm. um, and, that, and I think a lot of people were out for two, almost three weeks here in Wisconsin Rapids area. Right. So the first thing to do is, of course, eat through your refrigerator, eat through the perishable stuff, because that'll perish. And then, yeah, start getting into the canned goods a little bit and using the, the canned goods as a generic for the rest of the stuff. Like you said, pasta is, is good, and they make the prepackaged pastas. Yeah, and they're, they've there's different brains out there that you can use to, to do things with. Um, you know, the Internet's really great at this, you know, just kind of, you know, what do you, you know, what can I cook with no power and definitely can do that. Some people kind of resort back to when we went to Boy Scout camp or Girl Scout camp, what did we make? And, you know, we did it on the open fire. What did we have? And kind of going back to some of those 
earlier cooking teachings that uh, we've we've all kind of loved when we've went out on on camping trips. Camping cooking. It is, and it was great. I mean, we had it felt like you're at a campground. So, a quick safety tip: if this happens in the wintertime, do not build a campfire in your house. No. The fire department does not like that. Uh, your insurance company would not like that. Correct. Yes. So, so stay away from that. Find something alternative outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're thinking ahead, we can actually get uh, simple stovetop burners, uh, butane powered, I think. Yep. In the camping section, and those you could use uh, on a limited scale indoors. That is very true, and we have a couple of those as well because we've done a lot of camping, and uh, it's a lot easier than making a fire. That's for sure. Especially, it is, especially when you just want that little cup of uh, coffee in the morning. So you just need to boil a little bit of water or make a quick egg. You don't want to fire up the the campfire just for that. That'd be a little bit much. Um, but really, the, one of the big things is with foodstuffs is you can find a lot of options that last a long time, and then you're going to be eating it eating through it anyway and so when you go and restock and replenish you know put that stuff in the back and eat the oldest first got to remember first in first out you know rotate everything Mm -hmm. rotating your stock is very important and then if you keep it with food items that everyone in the family knows when the troubled time is is there in front of you especially the kids tend to not you know feel as disjointed it creates that little bit of normalcy Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know you like talking about menus and um, your simple weekly menu and taking the stuff from the uh, the school board and you know it's like what do the kids eat what do the, the schools have for their lunch programs and you can kind of build off of there and that, that keeps creating kind of normal food so Ben just kind of segued there for, for everyone out there. So he's bringing in a whole new topic here. So what Ben is talking about is um, with, with the culinary background that I have, um, it didn't start out with planning all these really elaborate meals. And so what I did is... You, you, you started out with a soup, a salad, a cooler, bread... Oh, wait, no, that's the five-course meal that you worked into. That That's not how we do it. No. That's not, I don't know where you're going. But anyways. Um, you got to get the sorbet to cleanse your palate in between. No, no, that that was no. later in life, right? That was later in life. Okay. Um, so the way that I started out doing all of my meal planning was I kind of looked at the kids' school lunch menu. And, it, you know, everyone's talking about how they want to make sure that their family meals are well-balanced and they're nutritious. Well, the schools already have to have that already figured out. So it already has to be balanced and nutritious. And then they give it to you. They send you out the, the monthly letter, you know, the calendar that says on Monday, this is what the kids are eating. And they've got, you know, the protein, they've got the, the carbs, they've got the vegetable and the fruit. So, I mean, it's, you got your, you get your four basic food groups and it's pretty awesome. Well, I learned much later in life that as my kids were like in first and first and second grade type of thing, um, I could also use that for my evening meals. And so just kind of on a, on a chuckle and on a whim, I made up a menu. I took their old menu from two months ago and I cut it up and just started drawing stuff out of the, the hat and just did the, oh, we're going to be having chicken sandwich tonight. And we're going to be having the broccoli and we're having this. And the kids didn't catch on that it was their lunch menu because we made it our way. It tasted better because mom made it better. Right. So that's the way we kind of did it. So that way, you know what, hey, it made making a menu, a weekly menu. That way we didn't have to wonder at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, what are we eating today? Or trying to do grocery shopping, going, I don't know what we're going to eat this whole entire week because that is the hardest part of adulting is to come up with your, what am I eating every day? I have to eat every single day. Right. So oh. I let the school districts um, help me out with that, even still. I mean, I'll take a look at, you know, Port Edwards, Nakusa, Assumption. I'll just take, you know, all the schools and just kind of put, see what they have out there on their on their website. And you can just print off that month's menu plan that they have and there you go you just kind of 
spiral a little bit. And I've noticed that it it repeats its cycles. It does. There's only a, a finite amount of things, especially core things. So so you've got your, your core basics, and then it sort of repeats and shuffles around just a little bit. So what I learned with um, when I cooked at one of the schools is they had a two different menu, and it was a rotating menu. So it was two six-week menus, and they rotated. So week one was was schedule A. Week B was schedule A. So we had eight, we had an, an A B rotation going on. So that way, it it extended a little bit more. So when the schools did their planning, they're already planning two months in advance. So that way, when they know what their shipment is going to be, they know what what they need to order. So it was kind of really interesting to see how that all worked out. And then just to kind of use that for at home of let's try to make the one most difficult thing a lot easier. Excellent. So you don't need to go fancy. No, no. Sometimes you can just, you know, let's just have the school district take care of us even still and continue look, looking at what they have. And then you can make it your own. So if you want to have that chicken sandwich just be a little bit more spicier, you can. It's how you want to prepare it. Or, so if, or if you need to cut down on the salt, you know, or you have uh, want to cut down on the sugar items, you know, you can adjust all that stuff yep. to what you and your family need. And then, you know, take an index card and go, okay, well, this meal worked out really good for, for our family. If you're really savvy, you put the meal on the one side and you put the shopping list on the back side. So that way you can go, okay, well, do I have everything in the house to make this meal, this day's meal? So the little... Little tricks that you kind of learn all the, along the way, and it even helps, you know, even even nowadays. And then you start seeing what's popular with the family. You know, I like meatloaf. Meatloaf is a pretty common thing. You can take a meatloaf recipe and make it into meatballs. You can make it into meat patties and call them burgers. Mm-hmm. You know, you can doctor up a meatloaf a little bit fancier one time, a little bit more simple the next. But it all kind of has the same sort of ingredients. So now when you're shopping and you're preparing for the future, you're like, well, we're making wheat, meatloaf this week on Monday, but hey, there's a sale on breadcrumbs or whatever, and you can buy two or three times for the same amount that you would buy just the one, and all those extras go into the pantry for future use. Future use. Yeah. And so you can stock up on a lot of that stuff pretty easy, and especially if you have like a... a nicer payday or the stimulus checks come in what you know whatever you feel about that still it's a little bit of extra money that you didn't have before that day and you can use it to stock up on food or prepared a different type of your of your life or your homestead yep and i really think it's great that the house if you shelter in place you know that's one of the biggest benefits of being a homeowner and owning your own house is this is your castle and you get to know it and understand how things are working or not working and um, really get an idea of if there's a situation, a disaster, you can you can bunker down, hunker down, and you take care of yourself. Yep. I think, you know, just being ready and being prepared is, is always a good thing. We talk to all of our first-time home buyers, whatever age they happen to be. We just always make sure that, you know, we mention a few of these things of, okay, well, 80 degrees outside and we're talking about shoveling snow and going, it's a very long driveway. You might need a snow blower. or my favorite to go and you don't have a sidewalk to shovel and everyone looks at you like what? It's 80 degrees. We should be talking about the barbecue in the backyard. I'm like, winter is coming. That's nice. It's Wisconsin. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to deal with the frozen water. Yeah, because winter is coming. Even as we're we're heading into the spring season, you know, we're already looking forward to the next winter season because winter is coming. And, you know, there's things that we need to do to our house this spring and summer. So that way it makes the winter season just a little bit more easier and a little bit more comfortable. So now with the temperatures causing a bit of a thaw, we're going to be looking into the springtime. And I'm going to be curious on water management at the house. Is there water going to be coming in places where it shouldn't that we just didn't see evidence of before? Because, I mean, we, we bought our house in the dry season mm-hmm. just before the winter. And there are a couple of indications that 
at one time there was a water issue here or there, but they look to all have been remedied. Yes. And we've so. noticed too this winter that we've had, we have some ice dams on the house and our gutters are nice and full of ice. So as this thaw is starting to happen, is that going to be backing up and is that going to be coming into the house? You know, what do we need to do to make that during this? During the winter or during the, the spring, the summer, you know, what can we do to change the gutter situation to make sure that they don't freeze up again? And every year is different. So even though you've had 10, 15 years, what, what not, of no water in the basement, for instance, and you may have a, a single sump pump and that had been taken care of any water that might have percolated through your, your ground tiles in the basement, Maybe this is the year when we have an unusually wet winter and then it, a, wet, it, a wet spring and we have yeah. the rains every other day and the ground is just saturated. And as we know, with the basement, water is going to get in, especially when it's super wet outside. So it changes. All this stuff changes. Or there may have been, you know, now a geological change down the water path. And it's kind of pushing all that aquifer underground back up to where it didn't used to be. And we, we're seeing those problems everywhere in the state. Water is just changing, and it always gets to the point of least pressure. Mm-hmm. So I, I always say, if you've been a, a long-time listener of us, the uh, most important thing that's with every homeowner is water management, keeping it where it should be and keeping it out of where it shouldn't. So I think I think uh, especially we've set up ourselves well for the next year with the insulation in the attic to help prevent the ice dams with that. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to look at the gutter system that we do have um, and upgrade that in the spots that it needs to. Yeah, because the gutters, I think that's going to be our biggest thing because right now with them all frozen up, that's it's a concern. Well, and that's not, I mean, it's pretty common to have the ice and the gutters. We had that over on our, our last houses as well. Did we really? Yeah, not oh. quite to this extent because we also had the ice damming problems caused by the um, warm attic air. So it was compounded here a little bit. Okay. And the style of gutters that we have, we've got plastic gutters that are yeah, like 10, 15 years old. Okay, so it's just kind of time for new gutters to begin with. Right. So in our previous house, we had seamless aluminum gutters. Ooh. They were. They were great. Um, and they were metalized, so I could electrically charge them. And I actually ran the ham radio out and lit up our, our gutter with ham radio, amateur radio stuff. So that was cool. Yeah, I actually, um, unbeknownst to you, I, I turned in or tuned into the Grand Old Opry on our gutter. Excellent. I know, right? There are some things a wife should never know. It's a stealth antenna. It was pretty cool. And I could see that I did that. So. Um, we've also got some outbuildings here. So here at the, the homestead, we're going to look at see how, how those are handling. One's a garden shed and the other is our my workshop, Site B. Site B. Right. It's, it's a Jurassic Park thing. It was pretty cool. Um, but the, the, the garage workshop was built a little bit later than the house. And it's a little bit different construction. Well, and we've got the big pines that are covering it. So it gets a little bit more of a natural... Um, barrier. Right. So it's a little bit more protected versus the house where it's kind of out, out in the open. Exactly. So that leads us kind of into some of the projects that we're, we're looking at here in the, the springtime. You know, really getting the, the idea of what's going to happen here in the, in, in the state, the region, you know, the, the tornadoes and the windstorms are pretty much now what we're going to be facing. And this house is oriented different. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have the wind still coming from the west predominantly, but our house is now um, set up to go with the wind instead of uh, perpendicular to it. So we're, we're paralleled with the wind. And what's going to happen to the trees? And what condition are our trees that we have on the property in? Are they going to be, you know, wind-loaded and tip over? break off how so the branches look forward to the video oh, of me buying a chainsaw well we already have a, a pole saw you know chainsaw on the end of a stick right but i'm looking forward to the actual chainsaw, chainsaw. and that's going to be a whole nother 
a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. You know, what brand do we get? What size do we get? We're going to be doing a Husqvarna. Okay. Do you want electric or gas? It's going to be gas. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to have to buy a gas can just for that because it's a mixed fuel. Oh, of course. Yep. And then Because everything we buy, we have to buy a new gas can. As long as we write on it, this gas can is for blank, and you get blank type of gas written on it. So that way, you know, our kids come over and they need to borrow the lawnmower. They know they grab the lawnmower gas can, and it's written on there that you get blank for the gas to put into the lawnmower. So that way we don't accidentally put diesel in a lawnmower. Well, it starts with different colored cans in the first place, and then, yeah. And there's a whole discussion of ethanol versus non-ethanol. And, well, honestly, for small engines, not having the corn in your gas is a good thing. So I'm going to go out and buy a a chainsaw probably in early May. Yes. Happy birthday. I know. My birthday present is going to be a chainsaw. I'm super stoked. Make sure it's pretty. It's got to match the lawnmower. It's going to match the lawnmower. Let's just be honest. It's got to match the lawnmower. So I've got Echo Power Tools for the lawn trimmer and edger and pole saw, leaf blower. Um, it's a combination system. Got it from Ace Hardware here in Wisconsin Rapids on 8th Street. Love those guys. We've got also, so orange and black is their color scheme. We've got the Husqvarna lawn mower, zero turn that we got at the end of the season. Got that from the uh, from Sears, Sears hometown store. Yep. Yep. So that's also orange and black. Um, I ride a Harley Davidson, so that's black. And orange. And orange. Now, if we get a Husqvarna, it totally matches the zero turn. Exactly. Orange and so, black. So yeah. try to keep everything all in all in the family. And then I'm going to get a Generac generator. Guess what color that is? Orange. And? Black. Maybe with a little bit of silver in it, if I remember right. Exactly. See? So, you know, got got, got to keep it all trending. Exactly. So hopefully we can get the our basement project, the utility room, all tied up, done up here by the end. I'm really hoping by end of March. So that way, come April, we can just turn the focus and look outside because my Christmas present was the very large flower boxes that you built for me. And I, I did not disappoint, did I? No, you did not. I, I was just, I went out to site B to take a look at them because we needed to move them out of there out of the garage and holy cow they are big like big yeah Yeah. I just wasn't sure if you actually used the right tape measure because they just look big I did so we we wanted something that we could spread out the um the vegetables in a little bit Mm -hmm. because um our last flower boxes you can look at some of our previous videos on the YouTube that we have yeah they were Uh, they were three by four Sure. So they were, they were little. I mean, you know, little you rectangles. Could, yeah. Yeah, you could actually hang, you know, hug them and move them. I mean, it wasn't. But they're also the perfect size for the property that we had. Very true. And they were metal and they clipped together, and really, you could tear them down at the end of the season, or you could move them. They would be great for um, on a deck or a patio. You know, just put a ground, a plastic ground sheet underneath them first before you filled them up with soil. But here we've got bigger space. We want to spread out the plants a little bit. So we went large. We went big. Yes. So we did a <laughs> four by 12. Four by eight. Oh, four by eight. Yeah. We got the 12 foot long. Oh, that's right. That's where my 12 comes in. Yeah. And if you take four feet off of a 12 foot, you get eight. So I made them eight by four and we had like no scraps. Yeah. So they're, they're super, super large. I had to move one. I'm just like, are you sure we measured right? Oh, yeah. Because they were, they look quite large, go but they're going to look home. really great in the yard. Yeah, they'll fit. Um, so how are we going to fill them with dirt? Well, I have a truck. So I am going to, as soon as that recycling center opens up, I will probably be spending every day going over and getting a load of dirt. So either getting dirt on the way home from work or getting dirt early in the morning. So one of the great things about living here in Wisconsin Rapids area um, Wisconsin Rapids and Grand Rapids both have um, municipal, well, we, we share this, the same municipal um, plant recycling, yard waste depository. So you can take brush, uh, grass, yard waste, and food waste 
stuff over there to get it composted and whatnot. And it's only open um, certain times of the year. Head over to the City of Wisconsin Rapids website, and they've got a whole breakdown of locations. There's one on the east side, by the east side water tower and the BMX. Mm-hmm. And there's one over on the west side, kind of by the industrial park as well. Yeah. And, yep, they, they do a lot of the processing. They'll take the waste and turn it and spin it, the compost piles, and they'll shred the um, timber waste. So brush. We got to know them quite well last year. We're trying to fill up the uh, old flower beds. Right. And but uh, we didn't have a truck then. Yes, we did. But we didn't put the... We did. We did. Because yeah. my truck is my Mother's Day present. Oh, yeah, that's right. We got it early in the year. So we had a truck last year because um, I made all the other guys jealous as they showed up in their minivans, and here I am with my truck. But we, we didn't just throw it in the bed of the truck. We put it in plastic totes. Right. You so still were, were in the plastic totes, and you know, which is great. Got to keep the truck clean. You know? Right. You just don't want to throw it in the bed. Well, There's... we're going to do the throw it in the bed this year. Okay. Because we just there's going to be a lot. Yes, so. there there's going to be a lot of dirt that needs to be moved. So I'm probably going to be spending some early mornings at the recycling center. So it just might be me putting the dirt in the truck and dropping the truck off at the house, and I grab your car and I go to work, and you move dirt during the daytime. We'll make it work. Yeah, it'll be good. Now, if you don't have access to all that, really, you can accomplish the same thing with more trips in your car mm-hmm. i mean i i've got a chevy impala and you were I, able to fit four bins in four the back seat totes so yep. you know the the storage totes we use that i because, think they're they're 18 liter yeah totes or something so we didn't have a truck i had a an envoy at the time when i bought this house so didn't really have a truck but and then you had a chevy cruise so a small little yep but that, that envoy could really hold hold the dirt. I moved a lot of dirt with that one. And and stone and patio pavers and all that jazz. Oh, yeah. We used it just like a truck. We just ignored the fact that it wasn't a truck. So, I mean, it's, it's totally doable to move them out of this either lawn waste to the compost site or composted material back home. And normally, generally, and I'm speaking in big swaths here, if you're in the city in a small house, you're probably not going to have a pickup truck or your vehicle is going to be small enough where it's a small SUV and you don't want to just throw dirt in the back of it. Or maybe you do. It's up to you. Um, and traditionally, if you live out with a bigger property, bigger area that's on roads that aren't necessarily as plowed or upkept, you would be having a truck or a larger SUV. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all this can be accomplished with some plastic totes and a little bit of perseverance. Yeah, and... Just to kind of help protect the the vehicles just a little bit more, too, we always put down, you know, a a sheet or an old blanket that we put the put everything on there. So that way the car was a little bit more protected. And but, yeah, we moved quite a bit of dirt with your little car and with my little car. So it was kind of kind of fun. But this year we've got well, again, this year we've got the truck and we're going to move a lot of dirt because I think it's going to take it's going to take a lot of a lot of trips. Yeah. Um, so they're four by eight by 18 inches deep. Okay. We're not going to fill them all the way up to the top. So 15, 16 inches of deep, that's a lot of cubic feet of dirt product. Yeah. So that kind of spools into our kind of long-term preparedness plan is why should we go to the grocery store and buy the vegetables that we know we're going to use, you know, like, like to tomatoes and tomato sauces and all that stuff. Well, we've also used the farmer's market too. So mm-hmm. for some of the stuff that we don't, we don't have the space or the ability to grow. So some of our vines did not turn out so well. So we use the farmer's market as well. So even if you don't have the ability to do a garden in your backyard, but utilizing that farmer's market is so key in this as well. So, I mean, you can go there and you can order what you need, and they're happy to, to give that to you. I'm finding one of the great things about doing your own food production and canning is, okay, let's let's take uh, beans and carrots, for instance. Okay. Okay. When you put them in a jar, what else do you put with the jar? Water and salt. Water and salt. So now you've got however many pint jars of not only food product, but water to go with it. 
So now you don't need that extra water um, away from your, your potable water for consumption. You've already got it in your pre-planned little food products. Mm-hmm. And I've even seen um, where they mix some of their vegetables, and it's like this quart jar with some stew meat, and it's that that's all you need. you got the vegetables in with your liquid, and then you just put the meat, and poof, you've got a slow cooker stew. Right. So it just, you know where your comfort level is, you know, maybe you start off with something, you know, simple first with, you know, usually beans or carrots is usually where you start off first. And then um, you kind of work your way up into to all that. So now moving here into springtime, do you start seeds? Because now would be about the time to start seeds inside the house. Or, or do you wait until the garden center opens up? And then you just go over to our wonderful friends over at Ace Hardware when they have the garden selection out front. And we are just going to wait till Ace Hardware opens up. Yeah. And we're going to get them. Now, I've I've tried starting seeds here in the house. I've tried it several times. I mean, this is not just like once I tried and it and it totally failed and did not work. We're talking I have had years. I've like 10 plus years of failed start the seeds in the house. So, I know I'm not a start the seeds in the house type of person. Just doesn't work for me. I like going over to Ace. I just like walking through and going, I would like five of these. I would like six of these. And I want 12 of these. And next thing you know, it's like, poof, look it. I've got a garden. Magic. It is. So now it's coming to the end of the hour here. Okay. So y'all stay tuned for next hour. We're going to be talking about a lot of the market stuff in the area and some, a few community events and, community events that you had gone to Mm -hmm. in this past week yeah so stay tuned for that and check back with our social media we've got a great youtube video about um starting seeds in the springtime oh excellent maybe i should watch that and maybe learn a few things learn from yourself okay i'll try um so seed starter i forget what the video is but it's on our youtube page just search for carrie nikolai on the youtube and there she is and if you the listener have comments suggestions or questions about housing and all the stuff that we're talking about go ahead send an email to myrapidsradio at gmail.com so myrapidsradio at gmail.com okay seems easy enough to remember and of course if you're looking for um, information on houses and what's available head over to myrapids.com all right excellent well we're going to take a little commercial break here and you want to do the radio name because you do that so well. Well, yeah, of course. You know. Okay. We're, we're, we're here at AM 1320 WFHR. All right. We'll be back right after this. You guys all enjoy. Stay tuned and come back for hour two of My Rapids Real Estate Show, where we take a deep dive into central Wisconsin real estate market and more housing-related topics. <laughs> 